0: As we come to the end of the sitting, let's take a few moments to bring into the group those we're holding in our hearts this morning. Just saying their name in a brief sentence or so about what's going on when everyone has been brought into the group. We'll end the sitting. I'd like to begin by Bringing Hillary Clinton and wishing her peace and rest so that she can resume her efforts on behalf of the people of the world.
1: like to ask for the support of the Sangha. I've been diagnosed with uh, thyroid cancer, and the prognosis is, is really excellent. Still, it's cancer, and it's scary, and I'm going to be having surgery a week from tomorrow, so I ask for everyone's
2: support and blessings.
3: of my friend Bob, who is in his fourth week of a coma after being in a bicycle.
0: We have about a ten minute break. I'll ring a bell.
2: you. Mm-hmm. Test, one, two, three, hello,
3: test, testing, one, two, three, testing, one, two, three,
0: Well, good morning, everyone. I just, the thought, my name is Tony Bernhardt. I'm a friend of Sylvia's. When she asked me to take the class this morning, we uh, had a different idea in mind. <laughs> now, and the thought, what just came to my mind, just as I was turning the thing on, was, was that line from uh, the Beatles song, I read the news today, oh boy. <laughs> I don't think this is a trivial event. I think that the shock and uh, the the power of this event that we're experiencing is is appropriate. This is not a trivial event. When I woke up this morning, I thought, well, you know, it's sort of like the stock market crash of '29. It's a, a major realignment. Maybe right up there with. Entering World War II, you know, um, it's a major it's a major change, and I think it's important for us to recognize that we're not alone. You know, so many of us have come this morning, um, and there are millions of people who are like us this morning. So we, are, we aren't alone. But things are disorienting. W- I joked on Monday, I said, Well, to my wife and a friend, I said, Well, I've got to teach this class on Monday. You know, boy, it's going to be, everybody's going to be in shock if Hillary doesn't win. And we're in shock. And I think, uh, this is not a bad time to notice what it's like to be in shock. Um, you know, we don't know what this means. We we don't. So there's lots of uncertainty, and of course that makes us human animals a little skittish. Uncertainty is uncomfortable. It works against our agenda. <laughs> Um, and, and when well, I say we don't know but we are going to discover what it means and that process is going to take some time and we'll start from the center and grow out is how I think it's going to work um, you know last night my, both of my kids called uh, my, my eldest granddaughter called independently um, my goddaughter called from the Philippines. <coughs> People are checking in to make sure we're okay. We okay? We okay? I think I'll talk for just a little bit because I think that a lot of the what comfort may be available is going to come from us and our voices. And I really think I really want to hear you guys. And I think it would be really good for you guys to hear yourselves as well. But I do have a few thoughts about the task of reframing our lives. I think there's, you know, people who have children have to do that right away. You know, one of my friends posted something this morning, you know, my children are Jewish. I have to explain to them what it means that we've got. Uh, the person as president who we do i still find it hard to say his name so reframing deciding who you know what does this mean there's you know one of the i mean dealing with children really common how do we deal with this i've noticed some a lot of anger you know, fear he's not going to be my president. No. Uh, and I, I also I just had a thought a little bit ago. Anybody longing for for George W. Bush? Yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. almost a statesman, you know. And we missed it when he was a rat. There's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of and anger, there's, there's a lot of people trying to figure out how to make peace with it. You know. It's, a, it's a, uh, what, I, what I think of as a first truth experience. The first noble truth was life is going to have this stuff in it. We all know about impermanence. We just didn't think that was impermanent. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, we, we we check in with family, are we okay? We check in here, are we okay? And then we're gonna you know, we're going to go about our lives, you know. I have to cook, we got to pick up the kids Somebody's got to go to work Is that going to be okay? Maybe It seems like it's been Day to day A lot of our mood right now Is In reaction to the thought dreams That we have I use the word That's a Dylan word my thought dreams could be seen. The thought dreams that we have. You know, our view, our understanding. The Buddha had a, well, a, a, I hate to say a limited vocabulary, but there weren't as many words <laughs> around. You know, I mean, the poly Dictionary is like this, and, you know, the Oxford, how big is the Oxford? You know, we got we got more, way more words than Shakespeare had to work with. So he, you know, used words... Um, to do a lot of, to do double, triple duty sometimes, use the word view, ditti. Our understanding, what we th- how we understand the world. David Hume had a clue about this. You know, our brain is inside our skull, and what data comes in, we've got all these colors and shapes, sounds, you know, physical sensations, smells and tastes. And then we built this whole world that we inhabit. A whole world that enables us, neuroscientists call it the inner model, to enable us to navigate this experience and survive and advance Bawatanha, to become. And We've we've got this huge model that we believe. We think we have a clue about what's going on. I mean, really, really. What do we, you know, what really is going on? I mean, how come, how did we show up here? What's happening? Do we have a clue, anybody? Yeah. No. Maybe you got a big bang. I mean, what happened? You know, we just showed up. Anybody plan it? Just, it, just, it just happened. We have no idea who we are, what kind of creatures we are. We come in this package. The package has got a life of its own. You know, it lives in this world that seems to be on automatic pilot. And so we really don't know what's going on, but we think we do. And when we think we do, this is—I came across this. This is the Buddha. I came across this recently, and it's just so matter of fact. It's just stuck in this little, the Sutta Nipata, and it's so obvious. What people expect to happen is always different from what actually happens.
2: <laughs>
0: it's, it's the words of the Buddha from this comes great disappointment this is the way the world works and we sort of have been I don't know coasting you know living in the heaven realms okay the soundtrack has been bad but you know and now with uncertainty what comes fear there's certainly fear cuz so we don't know what comes what's what's going to happen and that's a that's a basic biological you know i mean are, are we okay and i think actually that you know restlessness that's the uh, the uh, hindrance of restlessness that's, I think of that as just, you know, like the radar antennae on the big warships, you know, always checking to see everything okay, are we okay? You know, I know that w- the, the guys that I work with in prison, they're always, they say, you know, clo- first time I sat down with one of the groups said, let's sit and close our eyes and sit comfortably and sit this person, I'm not closing my eyes, <laughs> this is not safe. You know, but, but we're constantly checking to see if, say, and we don't know We just don't know. So there's fear. There's a lot of sadness. Which is, you know, the Buddha didn't say that you would be free from sadness. Sadness is one of the sorrow, one of the elements in the first truth. It's going to be unsatisfactory for us. And we can't, we don't avoid it. So we start by checking in with the people close, and then we start our, our day, and we discover what kinds of things are the same, and what kinds of things are not, and we grow into the new world that we find, and we will find a new, a new self in a new world, because the self emerges in interaction with the environment with what we find. We're not independent. Yeah, no kidding. we are not independent of the news. <laughs> you know, which is in our head. The molecules in this room pretty much the same as last time you were here, but the mood's different. And I think that in, in our exploration and our discovery which is coming out of, out of our, our own suffering at the moment, I think there are a couple of things to notice. And that is that this is, you know, I felt when I, when I opened the door to walk out of the house this morning, what came into my mind was walking out after the hurricane in Haiti. I said, what's it going to be like outside the door? You know, and it was the same. But it wasn't the same in my head but, but we aren't alone In the suffering That's part of living on this planet At this time you know? And we aren't alone In having a strong man Take control you know, The Philippines Turkey you know, It's not Unusual there's people are uneasy. The herd is restless. The herd is nervous about, you know, everything. Just what's 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 in the air, from climate change to whatever whatever is on your mind, whatever is in your inner model that's a, that's that's scary. And so perhaps in in recognizing our own suffering and in having some compassion for ourselves too, to give ourselves a few moments of, it's hard, this is not easy, this is painful, it hurts. What we want as biological organisms, some stability, safety, right? It's not just me. And uncertainty undercuts that and makes us nervous. Everybody's uncertain, and it winds up with, you know, anger and fear, aggression and and retreat. And so I would, I'm just, I'm feeling more personally the suffering in the world right now. The plight of people living in situations that they're not controlling. No. Members of, of persecuted minorities all over the planet. No. People who live in places where, you know, the gangs just come through the villages periodically. they want ravaging you know if you live outside of Kinshasa that's your fate you know? and we we are not separate from that we are not exempt from that you know impermanence I, I was joking about this uh, last week saying yeah we all know about impermanence but not the bill of rights (laughs) you know all things subject to arising are subject to passing and the only thing that we can manage is the condition of our heart and so as we grow out into this new world that we're finding we should do it with an open heart even in the midst of the fear we can't control what happens so recognizing the uncertainty and fear i mean that's that's the way the world works and one other thing about our expectations, you know, our expectations, when, when I say we don't know what's going on deeply, the, the understanding we have is not, it's not a matter of right or wrong, but it isn't the way things are. If we knew fully the way things were, we wouldn't be surprised. We'd say, oh, wow. What did we expect? You know, you buy a ticket to the lottery and you don't win the lottery. You go, well, you know, what did you expect? But I mean, you sort of hoped you'd win because you did buy the ticket. But our understanding is so limited, it's functional. It's designed to help us survive. And we've got this incredible... You know, most complex thing we've discovered in the universe to help us. And my dog doesn't know anything about this, and she doesn't anticipate what's happening. When I come home, she's happy, but you know. Oh, and she, she's always afraid of something that looks like a carry on bag because she, uh, if it's black, she's terrified. But we can represent these things in our own mind. Let me just say something. I was gonna stop just about now because I do want to hear from you guys, but, but let me just ask if anybody's familiar with terror management theory. Terror, T-E-R-R-O-R. It's pretty interesting. I mean, you can Google it and you, you can get up to speed really quick. It's a psychological theory um, that grows out of evolutionary biology and neuroscience. And the idea is that terror, fear, is a, a really useful, emotional, energetic state because it marshals all an organism's resources for the purpose of survival. But we humans have the capability of representing our own death to ourselves, and we freak out. There's a, there's a Zen story about the, uh, a painter who made a, a painting of a tiger on a wall, and it was so realistic. When he stepped back and saw it, he um, died of a heart attack. <laughs> so we can represent these things to ourselves, and when we do, we freak out. So here's, it's a testable theory. So they would they would take, um, oh my gosh, I haven't thought of it since this. So they've done several experimental tests of this thing. So one of them, for example, they took a bunch of sitting judges in Louisiana, superior court judges, these are actual judges, and they divided them into two groups. And one group, they had them Take a personality inventory A routine kind of thing And the other group took the personality inventory But also stuck in there Were questions like What would you like to have written on your tombstone How would you like to be remembered Do you think about your own death You know what they call mortality salience In the jargon And then they brought them all together And they gave them a case And the case was a prostitute Who had to be dealt with and you had to set bail so the people who had been given the personality inventory only set the bail at somewhere under fifty dollars and the people who had been reminded of their mortality set it at close to five hundred dollars same situation people presented with a set of candidates the ones who were reminded of mortality chose the strong man over the problem solver. Over um, So these kinds of things can apparently be measured. They're measuring them. That when we reflect on, on our mortality, on, our, on the uncertainty of life, People tend to become more conventional, they cling more to the herd, they line up more, they, um, they look for someone to take care of them. Francis Fukuyama, who's a political theorist, says, starts his magnum opus with the study of the strong man. It's the most basic political structure the tribal chief, the village headman. So we're in the midst of fear and sadness and change that we don't understand, and that's you know it's we're going to be rebuilding an understanding of what's going on in the world and what our place in it is, what it, what the context is going to look like, and we'll be discovering that. And actually, it could be interesting to watch how we build that up, how that builds up out of our experience. You read a story here, you talk with someone there. Just to watch how we routinize this. And as I say, hopefully, we will bring into our engagement with the world that we find now um, a heart that is caring about ourselves and others, and that we can find a way to uh, live in this new world without making things worse for us and for others. And I'm thinking that everybody's response to this is going to be different. And there's a lot of tendency to panic and to cry when we think of how things are at the moment and ourselves. but I'm wondering if we can say some mindful things about the condition that we find ourselves in. One of the things about Sangha is that Sangha is a refuge. It's where we find the Dharma. And so I'm curious to to hear how you guys are holding up, particularly any mindful observations or insights about uh, how things are going, what you're thinking. The fear and sadness feels. Please.
4: Well, last night before these election returns started to come in, I was upstairs uh, sitting in front of the computer and looking at uh, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Those debates, those pseudo debates between Trump and Hillary, and then there have been things which I wasn't aware of that have succeeded that. Up to the very last minute, they had done little uh, new episodes, essentially the same, the same stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of comforting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm not happy here, I, I'm, I'm laughing, but that I, I did get a lot of laughter out of, uh, you know, the thought of this terrible situation, which of course now, what Saturday Night Live depicted or imagined the root of the basis of this thought was that this wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> this was not expected, so, I'm sorry, you couldn't hear all these things I said. <laughs> uh, so, so it goes both ways. And And I feel both ways. I guess. Yeah,
0: it does. They, They have certainly have a
4: large audience. There are a
0: lot of us, and we shouldn't lose sight of that.
5: One of the things I'm struggling with is trying to find compassion and understanding for the people who thought it was okay to vote for someone like Trump. Mm. Um, You know, I've lived long enough to have been through Republican presidencies before, and none of them have bothered me to the extent that this one has, just because of him, the person. But putting him aside for a second, something you said just a minute ago helped me, and that was, you were talking about how our view of reality needs to change. We woke up this morning in a different world than the one we thought we were living in and we have to adjust. But I think what has happened with those other people, the Trump supporters, is that they've already been there. They've already been in a state where the world that they dreamed of, the world that they wanted, didn't exist. Um, And I'm talking about the, the, the the lower class white male workers whose jobs have disappeared, who can't support their families, who are threatened by people of different color and different nationality of differences of any kind. They've already been there in the place where I am right now and that helps me feel a little bit more sympathetic toward them.
0: I I actually was, uh, let me, I want to recommend a book. I was going to bring it with me and I I brought it out last night and set it down Because I thought, oh gee, I've got to take this with me now and, But then I gave it to my friend who was visiting and going home Feeling crummy at the time <laughs> So I can, all I can tell you is the name of the book It's called Strangers in Their Own Land It's by a woman named Arlie Hochschild H-O-C-H-S-C-H-I-L-D She's a sociologist at the University of California, Berkeley, and she spent five years uh, visiting and becoming part of the community in uh, uh, Louisiana that was the Tea Party. And her book is what you would call, uh, if you were regarding it as a formal sociological treatise, a monograph, but she writes really well. And she is able to access, she gets to access over time, what she calls the deep story, because all of us are running off of a story. And now we've got... Mm. <clears throat> excuse me. You know, and now we've got to shift the narrative of what things, what's going on. Uh, but but she peels back a lot of the layers. The, the research question that she had was... How can these people Who are living in some of the most polluted areas in the country In the bayous um, Disapprove and be so angry at the EPA And not want any regulation of the industry which is polluting And that was her her research question Oh, it's, a, it's The answer is, comes in understanding the people who are there. And I guess uh, the summary would be that um, they feel cheated. They feel that uh, they've been left behind. The government and and business are in cahoots they spend all this tax money and the EPA doesn't do anything they you know Bobby Jindal just you know cut school funding by what 20% so that he could offer financial incentives to oil companies to come and work in Louisiana so they don't trust they don't like the government they don't like they don't see it as a tool for their interest and they're suffering because you know, the the bayous are polluted they can't eat the fish they can't the, their property values are gone Their are cancer clusters all around they take care of each other they don't feel like bad people and then they hear northerners there's some civil war stuff left over in there she goes through a lot of it i recommend the book it's called strangers in their own land um, so that may I. I found it very helpful. I, I brought it up in my group on Monday night, and people, I can't feel compassion for God But understanding uh, and recognizing, um, you know, I thought on Monday night when I was talking about this to, to my own group in Davis, I thought that my message would be, we have to take care of those people. And, and I think that probably is true, okay. and take care of ourselves as well, taking care of ourselves. You know? okay. did you Did you have something to please in place the in, the in the back?
1: Hi um. I kind of had an interesting experience this morning. I'm a member of the Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Uh, Napa Valley Meditation Insight Meditation Group, and last night is our song good Night. and um, it was a, a, you know, about 40 people showed up, and I the energy in the room before we meditated was um, one of upset. And when we started meditating, uh, it was just a beautiful experience to see that energy dissolve into one. You know, a common a common experience. And I had been planning on coming over here for weeks now. Um, I've been here before, several times. But I was going to bring people with me, and at the last minute, they couldn't come, so this morning, I set out on my own. I'm on 101, and uh, it's bumper to bumper, and I'm feeling good about life. You know, I'm thinking, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be, and I know Sylvie is going to have some amazing things to say about all this, and uh, all of a sudden, Siri had a better idea of how to get here, I knew I was going to be a little bit late. So it directed me back going north, 101, and I, I fought it at first, and then I thought, you know what, I am just going to go with this because I'm feeling good about life right now. And you know, and, and so it basically took me through Nevada and then out by Point Reyes that way, and it was the most stunningly beautiful drive and I was really, really enjoying it so, so much and I was thinking, I don't care if I ever get there because this is just fabulous. I was taking snapshots and, and all of a sudden I get pulled over <laughs> and I get a speeding ticket and still I'm thinking, I don't even care this is just great. And I'm telling the cop how beautiful it is and yada, 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 and And then I take off again and all of a sudden, I, you know, my spirit goes, <sighs> through, you know, just the realization of that. But then, and then I walked in and you weren't Sylvia.
0: <laughs> I, I haven't ever been Sylvia. So no, you've never been <laughs> Sylvia.
1: But uh, but yet I am so Grateful to be here, and it was to me. It was just a lesson in my own personal practice of life and How I deal with this and how I deal with the outside world
2: Is
0: we're all checking how we're doing and what what is going to be there if I go are they going to be there? Is everybody whole up? I mean, you know, we're just we're discovering this this new world we should lead with our heart. Here.
6: So, um, I worked really hard for Hillary. I spent lots and lots of hours making phone calls. I laughingly said, if she doesn't win, I wanna know that I did everything I could. Never thinking that that would come true. Never thinking that would come true. So here I am, and uh, um, we had a little conversation when I came in that is where I would like to hear what people think, and if you have some ideas, how can I, my thought when I woke up this morning was, I'm going to back off, I'm going to experience more wonderful things in life and get less involved politically, uh, because it's going to be hard coming up Uh, and then uh, my next thought was what you said when we talked uh, you know is that indifference is that how can we have equanimity without indifference how can I strike that balance?
0: one of the things that happens after campaigns even when you win is that you need a rest And I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up in us automatically. You know, you close your eyes to follow your breath, and what happens? Thoughts show up, you know. So a lot of this stuff is going to start showing up, you know, automatically as we start to engage. And we need to be kind to ourselves and give ourselves a little bit of rest. Anger can come so so quickly Anger And then indifference Cutting off This is you know, Engagement is The opposite of Attachment isn't detachment It's engagement It's appropriate engagement
7: I woke up this morning, and I couldn't believe the sun was shining. I didn't know how that would be possible. And I would love to get to a calm state, but I am profoundly angry. And so driving up this beautiful drive from the city, I was thinking, okay, think of some things that haven't changed. Think of some good things about this election. So I was thinking of um, how bittersweet it was when Obama won because my parents' grandparents were here to see it. Like many of you, I'm sure, felt the same way. Um, Oh, we wish they could have seen this. And then I thought, okay, great. They don't see this either. (laughs) Okay, that's good. I had that thought, too. And then um, the second thing I thought was, well, now I won't have to take every anti-presidential comment personally. I'll probably be making some anti <laughs> so, so that's a good thing but, but circling back I feel um, and a lot of this came from a call from my daughter very in touch with my ancestors very very in touch with their struggle against hatred and bigotry of all kinds um, and I feel like maybe there's been a, a bit of a respite uh, but now we jump back on. And, and that's pretty much what my daughter, who hadn't been through this kind of political scenario, said, here, here, okay, here's where we fight, huh, Mom? And I said, yeah, here's where we fight. And what I did say to her was, but watch that word fight. That's an aggressive word. Here's where we engage and struggle and live our lives with the purpose that was handed down to us from generations and generations. And we're going to have to get to the place where we have compassion, you know? Just like slaves might have had compassion for some of the people that enslaved them. We're going to have to get there. I'm not there today. But it's a, I don't know, I canceled some important stuff to drive up here today because I <laughs> needed to be around these kind of people but that's just what I'm feeling
0: you know I think I think it's worth noting a lot of the people who Arlie uh, met with and, and, and report about they are not the people that we see in the media they aren't the ones screaming and throwing punches and They are. They take care of each other, and they care for each other. And I think that it might be useful, uh, you know, rather than conjuring the guys and get rid, you know, um, to to meet or to discover who these people are, uh, independent of the media I mean, do we we are living in the kind of bubble they're living in? You know, and having those conversations is is tough. This is saying, I I came across country on a train because my friend Lee Brazington sold me on the train. One of the things if you travel by train, by uh, by yourself, you always eat with three strangers. And I sat down across from some guy we were going through in Nebraska. Wouldn't you know it? And he's got he's a big guy with a big yellow shirt, and it had a picture of a monkey on it. And it said, "I am not your daddy." <laughs> was, you know, going to relitigate the Stokes trial. But I found I, I I didn't know how to how to talk with him about the shirt.
2: <laughs>
0: and I I mean that's it's bothered me for over a year. I mean, we talked about he and his wife were afraid of flying that's why they're on the train and there's the deer running away from the train and the fog and then we talked about but i wasn't quite sure where i'd go after nice shirt <laughs> <laughs> and i think learning how to even have a conversation a lot of that depends on attitude you know what you bring to the table um You know, the attitude that I brought to the shirt was, you know, it was an assault. And I was set back. But in thinking about it now, I think I could probably, you know, raise it. So I think there's, there's, there's some discovery opportunities that we have to discover how to engage this world. You know, we are creatures of habit. We like habit because it gives us some stability, some consistency, some rest. We don't have to... I mean, being mindfully aware requires effort. That's why right effort is in there on the path. You know, so we like to to find some stability and we become uh, habit-bound. And this is a great opportunity for us to explore that. You, you had your hand up, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I'll stop, I'll stop uh, rattling on here.
8: I've, um, this has been such a bruising election cycle. I think for the last year and a half, we've all been. And everyone has been so stressed that I, I couldn't wait for it to be over and was so looking forward to today. And. Uh, I've always been a political animal and a news junkie, and my day begins with the computer at my breakfast, reading the New York Times and going on from there. And my response now is to just pull back from all of that, that to just retreat, that perhaps if I don't know what he's doing, and I have trouble saying his name also, that it won't uh, disturb my equanimity. And I don't think that's necessarily a mindful thought, but that's my response now is just take a hike.
0: That's what I was, Mary Ellen and I were talking about. And there's, there, there's giving yourself a break because it has been bruising. Give yourself a chance to rest and heal. When I think of Hillary, she needs a little rest. Oh. But, but I fully expect her to be back. You know, her, her foundation is fabulous. And, you know, she has some work to do. But I don't think indifference, indifference is shutting off. Retreating f- to heal up for a little bit and recover makes sense. But hiding doesn't. Because you can't. Somebody will tell you what's going on. Yeah. Well, you can find your way around. I don't need to point at people. She, yeah.
9: Uh, I just, uh, I was wavering back and forth between whether I was gonna come this morning or not. I'm really glad that I did. Um, My first reaction when I was watching uh, the returns last night was shock and uh, of course sadness, but also a little bit of panic, a little bit of fear. Not so much anger, but to segue from what you said uh, what you just said about um, us uh, floating in the heaven realm, I really got that because we're here at the Spirit Rock. We are in the heaven realm and all around. And the woman talking about driving here on the back road, which I've driven that road. But it makes us sort of um, forget maybe the people, the working class, white males or whatever, that, that the Trump supporters, maybe we haven't really thought about them enough and we've been floating along, uh, sort of asleep at the wheel and and what it made me wanna do is instead of escape, but certainly escape and rest and maybe go for a hike and be in nature for a time, but it made me want to get more active and I realized I wasn't really much of a political activist and now I feel, okay, now it's time to really get to work in the next couple of months because there will be another election coming up in two years and maybe we have to work hard to um, get more Democrats in Congress to put the brakes on the president. I hate to say his name too, but yeah, some way to put the brakes on what he wants to do because one of the things that it creates the most panic in me is uh, the nuclear issue, and his personality, and of course that's been brought up by Hillary over and over again, and that does incite a, a little bit of a panic feeling in me.
0: We, I so, think it's important to notice we don't know what's going to happen. No, you know the Buddha just said it, it was in almost conversationally. Whatever happens, it's not going to be what we expect. We don't know. And fear comes. You know, Jack used to tell a story about how you know when the bear is chasing you, you're not afraid the bear is going to chase you. You're afraid he's going to catch you. And when he catches you, you're not afraid he's going to catch you. You're afraid he's going to eat you. When he starts eating your foot, you're not afraid he's going to eat your foot. You're afraid he's going to get to your head. You know, it's because we're envisioning the next step. And like the artist who drew the tiger, it scares us. So we can't. You know, you ask what 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 would you like to have on your tombstone, and then you take a test and wind up um, you know, our reactivity is uh, something to watch and observe you know, mindfully to keep track of how we're responding because otherwise we can get swept up by the fear and the anger you
10: know, uh, uh, Good morning My heart's beating very fast Go ahead um, I came from Canada in, uh, when I was 16, I came to America. And uh, I've had the pleasure and the um, ability to be an artist my whole life, and so I separated from politics. But this year was the first year I wanted to be an American. I wanted to vote, and I stayed up with my daughter and my son last night and watched until Trump actually got up and spoke. And I was very upset. And this morning I woke up and I said, you know, it's how you ride the wave in your life. How am I going to be the light in the world? Because he is going to do what they're doing and how I react is very important and I need to react with love and support and calmness. And I just spent three weeks in Mexico. I just got back two days ago. And what really strikes, strikes me in Mexico... Is how in poverty and in less than people are happy. Everyone you run into are in joy. They're in love. They're it's just such an acceptance and it's such an example of how I need to be in the world because we have so much here, and if we dwell on the, the what we don't have or. We won't be happy, and we really all want to be happy. We can't always be happy, but we can be in acceptance, I think, and be the light for others. And don't, you know, we have so much, and it's so beautiful here.
0: Yeah, I think when we think of engagement, it doesn't just need to be political. It can be social, too. It can be engagement in whatever we find.
11: So um, you were talking about one human propensity, which is to maintain the status quo, to keep the habit that you're used to and to Mm -hmm. um, be stable in what you're used to. There has got to be another human propensity to upset the apple cart. That's what Trump, I said it, Mm-hmm. Tapped into, and um, these people who have you know whoever voted for him, whether they're the strangers in our midst in their own land or whoever um, had been going along um, they found an incredibly unsavory champion and decided to blow it up let 's blow it up so what is the human the sort of other human um, impulse or characteristic that does that that opts not to stay with what is safe and you know
0: well we're adaptable. the The brain is uh, is uh, what are they, plastic. It, it can learn new things. It can rewire itself. It has a lot of potential for change and adaptation. Um, we also have a, we take care of each other and ourselves because we're we're um, tribal animals we survive in a group we don't survive alone and so we're always we're really sensitive to how other people are feeling about us and how we're feeling about them because that's related to our you know in, in the past to our survival you know so I think we have a lot of sensitivity to the suffering of ourselves and others, and and that's a capability um, that can that will guide our, our behavior. We also like we, we like safety, we like we like safety and and stability is part of that. We feel uneasy when things are uncertain, and heightened awareness comes more energy. You know, it's with the people in the security business talk about, you know, white, yellow, and red. When you're at home, lounging, you know, reading your newspaper and, and having breakfast, it's white. Easy. You're not afraid, not alert. You're just comfortable. You're, you're on the highway, yellow, because cars are moving, you're moving. And then if someone's coming across the center divide, <laughs> red. Okay, so, you know, I'm thinking that we have moved from sort of white to yellow. Um, well, red is the, is the immediate threat. That's, that's the guy who shows up in the room with a weapon. That's red. Um, or if the sirens go off. No. Um, this is certainly an, a state of alert. I'm not sure you, you want, you know, we have the capability for, for change. I'm not sure what other propensity you would, you would like to uh, know about. No, I think so. Ah, well there is anger. That's what, that's what about, they will really a yeah, a anger and fear. When we when we encounter stuff we don't like, the responses are anger and fear. Anger usually is the aggressive, and fear is the response is the retreat, flight and fight. So it's really deep uh, neurological patterns, disposition of ourselves in the world. We can watch that, and if we can be alert to those impulses as they arise, we can. We can actually be free from them if we choose. If we don't see them, if they just sweep us along, a flood of emotion, a, re, a flash reaction, then we, we, you know, we're on automatic pilot. So yeah, anger and fear, they're built in there. That's for sure.
3: Um, I, uh, I work with immigrants and I live in an immigrant neighborhood. And last night, my daughter, who um, is in college called, who was also a non-white immigrant, um, said, what are we gonna do, Mom? And I, uh, I when I started talking about the, I, I said, you and I will be fine, um, but I worry about the immigrants. I I worry about how they feel and their fear. And um, I don't know what to do. And uh, maybe I should, I don't know. I mean, all I can think of is I should just be kind and not make things worse. And then this morning, (laughs) I went outside to throw the trash away. And there's a woman who always goes around scavenging in the recycle bins for Five cent thanks to, and she was there and she was in my in my recycle bin and I and I helped her try to find the stuff that was redeemable and and uh, she thanked me and I thought I felt better <laughs> I felt better and then in the meditation um, it came to me that to have faith because I was feeling the, the rub of, of am I, maybe I won't do anything, maybe I'll just retreat. How will I know when it's time to go back and engage again? And, um, and the thought came to me, have faith, have faith, it'll happen. You'll engage when something touches your soul and gives you energy and it will happen. And I felt like that, that fear Go away.
12: Mm-hmm. Great, yeah. I, I just um, felt that this was a very great opportunity to explore greed, hatred, and delusion and that I have profound metta and loving kindness for the people in the Heartland who must be suffering to vote for this guy. And the suffering must be intense. And I, I, was, I felt this was unexpected, but I wasn't surprised because um, I knew that there was an immense amount of suffering out there and it uh it it's manifested and delusion in this country uh this is a a real lesson in delusion um the 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 media is delusion uh the internet is delusion much of what reality has been presented is delusion, and sometimes the uh the uh curtain gets pulled and you, sometimes you're sorry what happens when that happens
0: yeah one, one more I'm not sure we ever get past delusion the best we can do is know that we're de- <laughs> our understanding is deluded and go f- do the best we can do the best we can
13: Well, first of all, I'm really happy to be with this community this morning, and I feel already better. But I hope I can talk through what I want to say, but um, I live in a split personality, because I live in two places. (laughs) I I live in my past in another country, in Israel, and I live here. And it seems like things that's happening here, for me, it looks like deja vu. It looks like it happened to me already, and I try to get away from it. That's why I came to this country. I did not want my kids to go for a war, and I just was after a war That I lost a lot of people. So everything that happens here, and I'm very loyal and in love with both places. So the survival and all of those feelings. I remember that when the towers happened, I was so shaken. And then at the same time, I thought, oh, it happened to me already. It's happening to me every day when I read the news in Israel. Or the, the war in Iraq, or with the father that started, and I was an Israeli symbol in Fairfax. Like, I'm the Israeli. Everyone felt, "Wow, she, it's her fault." Many people felt that way. So I went through that, and I cannot say that it's lessened the feelings. It's actually more. It brings the trauma back. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know how to wrap the whole thing, but I'm just. I come here and I look at this building and the spiritual practice that I have, and that's what carries me on. I feel like I can continue. I really can continue. And because this morning I thought, I can't continue. I really, I, I, tonight I, I just thought, wow, I can't. I read every day the Bose news, I read all the news of America, and I read all the news in Israel. And um, so. Well, I
0: think that's it. That's what I wanted to share with you. So, Thank you. I think I'll, I'll close with this. Another, another short bit from the Buddha. These early, the early texts, some of them, are incredibly personal. You get a feeling of him as a person. He says, fear results from resorting to violence. Just look at how people quarrel and fight. But let me tell you now the kind of dismay and terror that I have felt seeing people struggling, like fish, writhing in shallow water with enmity, one against another, and I became afraid. At one time, I had wanted to find some place where I could take shelter, but I never found any such place. There is nothing in this world that is solid at base and not a part of it that is changeless. I had seen them all trapped in mutual conflict, and that is why I felt so repelled. But then I noticed something buried deep in their hearts. It was, I could just make it out, a barb. It's a barb that makes its victims run all over the place. But once it's been pulled out, all that running is finished, and so is the exhaustion that comes with it. The Buddha said he taught a dharma that that does not contend with anyone. It doesn't dispute with anyone. Finding that is a challenge of mine, and it can be helpful for us in the world as well to find the way to be. That it's the barb, the dart that leads us to quarrels and disputes. And and the attachment to our understanding, to our views, obscures our ability to be compassionate because the view becomes more important than the quality of our heart. So we have, today is the first day of the rest of our lives. To recall a, a thought from the, from a while ago So I wish you all the best And uh, the Buddha's last words you No. Know, uh, one of my uh, John Peacock, a friend of mine In England Translates the last words this way He says, the Buddha's last words All things are impermanent Get on with it <laughs> So thank you guys